Today we'll be discussing the hit HBO show The Last of Us, and we'll be discussing fungal infections. This is Doctor versus Comedian. I'm Dr. Asif Doja, and this is the Doctor of Laughs. Not a real doctor. Ali Hassan. Every episode, I pick a topic for Ali from comedy and entertainment, and I question him about it. Then Ali picks a topic for medicine and health and grills me on that topic. Today, we will be discussing the hit HBO show, The Last of Us, as well as the video game that it's based on. And since the show is about a fungus that turns people into zombies, in the second half, we'll be discussing fungal infections. Pretty sexy show, huh? When you frame it that way, this is an interesting show. If you would you say we have spoilers today, Asif? If somebody has not watched, number one, if you have not watched this show on HBO, The Last of Us, I think it's worthwhile. I think watch the first episode and see if you think you can go on that journey. Now, not everybody can. I remember watching something in the sort of infection space, this movie with Gwyneth Paltrow. I think it's called Pandemic. Is that possible? Is it Contagion or Pandemic? I don't know. Sorry. I think it's Contagion, but I watched it early in the pandemic and I was like, this was a terrible mistake. I watched it from beginning to end. Should have turned it off several times. I haven't seen it, but apparently it calls everything that happened in the pandemic. It was like, yeah. Yeah. That's the part that was the most disturbing. I'm like, wait, it's June of 2020. When did they make that? How did they know what the, it disturbed me awful sleep for a night or two. So it's not for everybody, but if you like quality programming, I'm going to say this is quite a fantastic show. And it's a, it's a hit for a couple of reasons, which we are going to talk about today. I think mild spoilers. If you really don't want to hear anything about the game or the show, then maybe watch the first three episodes and then tune in. But we're not going to tell you what happens in in the episodes. And the game will just be very general things that happen in the game. I think anything more than that would spoil it. And they both are good, the game and the show. So I don't want to really ruin things for people. There are zombies. Is that a spoiler? Yeah, I mean, they're called infected in this because, well, we'll talk about it. They're, they're created by fungus, as we talked about. So, Ali, I did play the game. So maybe I'll just tell people about this. I love the game. It's one of my favorite games I've ever played. And I'm sure this is going to take people by surprise. Asif played a video game. I mean, crazy, right? Not at all. That is what's called sarcasm. Asif somehow finds time to watch every movie and TV series and play video games and be a father and a husband and have a job. Yeah, I'm very selective. I play probably three games a year, so I don't really play that many, but the, but these games are... Oh, you're kidding. When I come to your house, I see the controllers out and stuff. I thought you're... Oh, you play three games a year, but you immerse yourself in those games. Right. These games are 30 hours or 40 hours, so... Jesus. <laughs> you can't even watch a hockey game. What, is, what are you talking about? Anyway, good for you. Anyway, I think some people are surprised that I play video games, but so the game was developed by the studio called Naughty Dog. They were famous for this series called Uncharted, which is kind of a Indiana Jones meets John McClane from Die Hard. Right. And that was a movie with Tom Holland in it, I believe. That was one of the times, one of the many times that a 
video game has become a film and I had no idea about it. I just don't know anything about the video game world. I only know that video game viewers are very vocal, hyper nerds that they are when they don't like, what do you call that? You know, an adaptation of a video game into, and I mean, you know, I've seen people in the literary world as well. Yeah, I've, I've heard lots of anger about, you know, the English patient was much better as a book. But anyway, so yeah, all that to say, you have played the game, you enjoyed the game. When you played it, did you see the potential for it being a television series? I did, I did. It was, it came out around the time where there was a confluence of things going on. So video games, technology was becoming more and more advanced and prestige tv was going on this is sopranos breaking bad mad men right these were all coming out in the 2000s what you're mentioning there is all hbo and, and showtime correct right or no sorry amc 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 yeah exactly can prestige tv be on networks on those classic nbc abc yeah i think there is but then then if you ch challenge me to <laughs> name one i'm like Ugh. God, it's so hard. Okay. And of course, then The Walking Dead came out, which was on AMC. And it was really the biggest show in years and years and years. And then still some of its ratings haven't been surpassed. So that was a big thing. So they kind of took this, this idea of zombies and these fungal infections. And basically in the game, it's very similar to the TV show. In fact, some shots are almost shot for shot remakes. It looks so similar to the game. You play this kind of a survivor of this fungal plague called Joel. And he's unwillingly tasked to take care of this girl, Ellie, and they need to travel across the United States for various reasons. And really, it's Joel's journey from becoming just someone, a survivor, just trying to make his way in this post-apocalyptic world to becoming back to be an emotional human. And that's the journey that it takes. So this is why when some people say, oh, video games aren't, they, they can't generate emotion or they're not entertainment i mean i'm not quite sure because you do feel this and you play in the game mainly as joel mm -hmm. they did a sequel the last of us part two that came out a few years ago that one i will not spoil at all but to say this movie is all about the concept this movie this game is all about the second one is all about the concept of revenge and that's all it is and somewhat about the futility of your revenge and actually the only other thing i've ever read or seen that encapsulates that as well as Steven Spielberg's Munich, which is one of my favorite movies by Spielberg. Very dark, but it's all this idea of revenge and how far do you go for revenge? And that's all I'll say about that. So the fact that these games, they really are the two two of the best video games that have been, ever been made, and they generate these emotions. They, they're designed in a way to generate these emotions in the player. Two more things about the game that I found are interesting. It, there's something called the datafication of games so i don't mean like the dadaist art movement i mean dads like me and you are fathers mm. and so this game the last of us there's another game that's based on the walking dead made by a company called telltale which was a huge game very very excellent game but you're playing as a father figure to a child and then there's a game that's come out in the past couple of years the god of war where you're also playing the father of in that case of a son and their relationships to children. And it may be because these video game developers, you know, they get into the video game development in their 20s and now they're in their 40s and they're like, well, now I have different emotions that I want to get across. And how is your relationship with your children? So I think that's an interesting thing. And you guys can look up this datafication of video games. 
The last thing I'll mention is if you look at the covers to The Last of Us video games or you even play the first one, something very interesting you're going to look at. Maybe have Ali pull this up right now. He can pull it up on his computer. This picture of Ellie, who is the girl you're, you're tasked with protecting in the game. And of course, this happens in the show too. And she looks very similar to a performer that, that we know from stage. Oh my God, totally. She looks 10 times more like this person you're talking about than she does the actor who plays her in the show. Bella Ramsey plays her in the show, but this character looks like Elliot Page, but formerly known as Ellen Page. This looks like Ellen Page from Juno. Right. And and like, just Google it, everyone, and you'll see it looks exactly like Elliot Page, formerly Ellen Page. And it was, you know, Elliot Page has been kind of vocal about, like, you stole my likeness. Elliot Page got zero money for this. And it's so obviously based on that person. And, and I think in their sequel and in other games, when they tried to update it, they've tried to make the features look a bit less like Elliot Page, but it was a bit of a, I don't know, it's just a bit of trivia that I thought people would find interesting. The theft, the unabashed, shameless sh theft that goes on in the mm -hmm. video game world. Yeah, that's interesting, I would say. So the thing I found most interesting here, I'm going to bring this up because I think a lot of our listeners would have a similar thing. When you think of storytelling, I don't think about video games. I never really have. That's not because me, for me, video games are still Donkey Kong and Super Mario Brothers. I have not played a lot of first person shooter games, that kind of stuff. And even when I have still do not think of it as storytelling. I know they're trying to create a world, but it's not enough for storytelling. Whereas Neil Druckmann and Neil Druckmann is the creator of the video game, The Last of Us. He talks quite a lot about storytelling and he's like super excited about this idea that people will watch the show on HBO. They'll love it as I did. And then they'll hear that it's based on the video game as I did. And then they'll say things like a video game. That's, that's, they're telling these kinds of stories. And then they'll be introduced to this mm -hmm. wealth of storytelling that he considers video games to be. I won't be with the, with, with all due respect to Neil. I don't know. I still don't understand where people find the time. You not just included, but you especially, Asif, to watch games, uh, to play games or even watch TV. But yeah, I still, I find it interesting that this is storytelling and this is, you described as a wealth of story. That's very interesting. Yeah, apparently he uses, we've talked about script writing books before, but he is bases stuff on a story by Robert McKee, which I'm sure you're aware of. Mm -hmm. So that's a that's his Bible that he uses, and he he makes. So you're thinking about like using that for the writers of video games. And people don't think about video games like this. They have writers, just like TV shows do, and then they have actors who do motion capture. And I just even go online on YouTube and look up some of the acting that goes onto it. Actors in motion capture suits, and then when a character dies and they're upset, they have to act exactly like that. Like they hired these are professional actors. They're not just voice actors. They do the physical movements, too, that are motion captured. So it's basically the same thing that's done in Avatar, in Avatar 2. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will say that Robert McKee, by the way, he's a, a legendary screenwriting teacher. But very interesting that while Druckmann definitely uses that as his Bible, there's a quote in this Wired article, Wired.com, where McKee doesn't believe that games are art. And I thought that was interesting no, that that does not affect Druckmann to uh, Druckmann from 
using his uh, his if i if somebody if i'm using somebody's work as a bible and their views go against mine completely i feel like that might get in the way a little bit but not for this guy yeah i think the video game people have thick skins also these games are huge hits that sold millions and millions of copies remember they sell millions of copies and they retail for like 80 dollars canadian so this is a lot of money that's going that, that's being made in these games so yeah but you're right so neil Druckmann was the co-creator of of the game and he got together with craig mazin who's the screenwriter who wrote chernobyl yeah craig mazin by the way i have told you this, Asif, but I will share this, that I was quite surprised to see his name because Craig Mazin is a person whose podcast I have listened to for almost a decade now. I don't even know how long it's been, but John August and Craig Mazin, both screenwriters, have a podcast called Script Notes. And I mention it because there might be people who are interested in the world of screenwriting, the craft of screenwriting, writing their own screenplay. Like I keep meeting people now that I've written a book, people are always like, how did you write the book? How did you get it published? How did you get the attention of people? How did you know? You know, so I share that in the same spirit. Maybe people do want to do screenwriting. Script Notes is fantastic. Now, the only thing is, it's almost too much information. I remember, you know, I would try to listen to it in the car and then I'd be like, this is not good. Like, there's just so much information in every episode. I need to pull over and like type this into my right. phone. I need a pen, a paper. I need, this is, I'm missing good stuff here. I'm not going to remember all this. So it's incredibly good. It's best consumed while seated and focused at the laptop. That's, that's all I'll say, but pretty incredible. I saw his name before Chernobyl. I remember being like, Hey, that's the guy. Cause I didn't really know much of his work previously, or I hadn't seen his name around. And then again, same thing. Last of us, I see Craig Mason. I'm like, what? Cause Asif is the guy who turned me on to last of us. He was like, just watch it and don't read anything about it. As our listeners know, I'm very good at not reading anything about something. That's that's kind of my expertise. And I do want to get your thoughts on the show. A couple interesting things. So these guys created the show. Do you know where it's filmed, by the way? I don't. Is it Alberta? It is filmed in Alberta. So Canadian production. Apparently, they were really welcomed in Alberta. Though it was, I think it was a bit cold for some of the uh, scenes they were shooting. Because they have to emulate Boston, and then they're going to Wyoming. So I'm sure we'll see Wyoming later on this season or next season. And so they had to find a place that could do all those things, so metropolitan as well. And it's also post-apocalyptic. So you have like the ingrowth of, of vegetation, right? Because as soon as people stop keeping back vegetation, it's just going to invade. And so, you know, you have highways with like plants growing on them. And, and it's, it's quite well done in the show. And it's basically filmed like a like a movie. One thing they want to do in this season, which I think is nine episodes, and uh, I, I think nine or ten, is they want to tell the whole story of the first game. And I won't ruin anything for people, but that would be very interesting to see what happens at the very end of this season. Trust me on that without ruining anything. And hopefully that's not a spoiler to say it's interesting. Everybody relax. Well, saying without ruining anything three times does definitely slightly ruin things. But otherwise, no, I think it's fine. And then, of course, in the show, they recruited Pedro Pascal, who plays Joel, the main character. And, of course, they cast Pedro Pascal, who plays someone else in another hit show. He plays the host of Saturday Night Live a little while ago. And also the Mandalorian. Was he very good? I wasn't able to watch it. He is a great, great actor. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he's fantastic. And he's from Game of Thrones. And then they cast Bella Ramsey, who's also from Game of Thrones. Also from Game of Thrones, sure. As Ellie. So I don't know how Pedro Pascal has time to be in two of the biggest shows going on right now. Mandalorian Returns at the beginning of March. So very interesting. I mean, that one is like 
a lot of video, like you know, he's in the audio booth more than he's on set potentially. There's no way they make him walk around with that suit, right? Like I would like to believe he's not in there. They've got to have somebody else do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Neil Druckmann and Craig Mason told Bella Ramsey and Pedro Pascal to not play the game specifically and then come up with your own interpretation of the characters, which is very interesting. And especially because some of the scenes are taken directly from the video game. So that is quite interesting. Another thing that we're kind of skirting around and not talking about, Asifir, is this idea of the video game curse. Mm-hmm. Right? This is what... You know, as they say that Last of Us is an incredible, groundbreaking TV show, not just because it's great TV, but because, as I alluded to earlier, it came from this video game, which I didn't know and, frankly, I couldn't care less about. But you video game nerds are very vocal when you are not happy about something. And I think the suggestion from these various articles is that the angry memes and the mean tweets and all the rest of it come up real quick and they come up hard and fast where I think it was Sonic Sonic the Hedgehog. They did some very expensive reshoots because they gave him teeth and people didn't want teeth on him or it was vice versa. I can't even remember. I mean, I I can't think of something more irrelevant in my existence than Sonic the Hedgehog having teeth. It is a bit crazy. And there is this curse. So Uncharted, which was Tom Holland's film, as was mentioned, didn't do that well. And really video game adaptations have not been done very well. Well, I mean, there are things like Mortal Kombat from several years ago, not the recent one, but the original one for many years ago, and Street Fighter, which were just kind of fun, dumb movies. But in terms of making something art, it's, as we talked about, like a, like a prestige drama, it's hard. And in fact, I think Mazin and Druckmann, what they're going to do is there's a reason why they want this season to emulate the video game, because the emotional response they want people at the very end of the season is the exact same emotional response you have at the end of the game. And then they'll have almost proved their point. But they had some interesting mantras for how to avoid the video game curse, as you said. Turn action into drama. So don't just have shooting and killing and fighting the zombie infected. Dramatize the mundane and dump the gameplay, right? So there are things you have to do in the game, like craft weapons and pick up new weapons and get stuff. Like, who cares? That's that's a game. That's the game part. What you want is the story part. So it is very interesting that they did that. Another thing that Craig Mazin did is he has this controversial quote. I'm using controversial in quotation marks because I don't think it's that controversial. He says, watching a person die, I think ought to be much different than watching pixels die. So he's talking about a TV show versus a video game. And what he's talking about is what they call NPCs, which are non-player characters. So not you, but the other characters you interact with that are not played by another person. Because... His point is, you know, you kill all these people indiscriminately. You kill people and zombies in the game. And then say you die because you did something wrong and then you die. Then you respawn, as we say, in the video game world. And then you have to play that level again or part of that level again. And you're going to see those same people again. I have to kill them again. So when that's happening, you're not dying. You're coming back to life. They're not dying. They're coming back to life. There's no stakes. So they want to change that. And this is evidenced in, I don't think Ali's watched one of the uh, some more recent episodes. We've both watched the first three episodes. But you'll see later on, there is somebody who who is going to be killed. And 
the way they beg for their life is like that's how somebody would really do it and no one does that in a video game so that is a mild spoiler i apologize but you'll see it's very very different it's very affecting because they don't even do that in real tv shows let alone like an action movie let alone a video game yeah it's interesting to read about this they talk about the opening of the game is a technical miracle so it stands out among other games as well they feel actual fear the characters well the one character but then also who is with joel ellie's character i guess and so that's apparently very different already so you already have in this elevated game which in my mind suggests a better into to movie making and in the movie world you know i'll quote this spielberg quote that i found is you pick up the controller and the heart turns off which is in this Wired.com article. They say a false but still common held belief Yeah, in Hollywood. So I, you know, they're working against that too. So I don't think it's the only thing that the fact that it's a video game, the only thing that really did for me is help me appreciate how hard they had to work to circumvent or not circumvent, but work through this curse and, and, and put this curse to bed. So very impressive. So Ali, what did you think? We've both watched the first three episodes of the show. Yes. I appreciate you turning me onto the show. I, like you, really like Pedro Pascal. I really find his acting pretty close to flawless. He's got this personality. You just kind of want to watch it. He's incredibly compelling as an actor very well-trained and just his, his face and his look and his mannerisms are also great. And then this show, yeah, it did a sufficient amount of entertaining me and frightening me, which we will get to in a few minutes on our second part of this episode. But I'm, I'm definitely a big fan. I thought it's a great show. I really like it too. I think it's great. I, I think it is a bit strange how closely, like I said, it goes to the video game, but I think there are some reasons for that, as I mentioned before. I do encourage people, even if you're not that interested in it, to check out at least, as Ollie said, the first episode and probably up to the third episode. The third episode... Episode three is something special. Leave it there. Leave it there. Don't oversell it. Don't oversell it. It's a pretty special episode. That's it. Don't oversell it, but I love it so much. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, I do encourage everyone to to check it out. Episode three has a couple of guest stars in it. And I, I will say who's in it because people may like him. Nick Offerman, who we know from Parks and Recreation, plays a very interesting character who becomes the focus of the show. Ali is already disappointed because he thinks I'm spoiling him too much. You've said too much. You've said too much. Anyway, it is great. So definitely check out this show. And if you want to check out the video game, please go ahead and do that. Or continue to have respect for yourself and the life that you've created for yourself and don't check out the video game. That's also an option. Don't forget to tell people about that option as well. Okay, Asif, now let's get to the meat of this thing. You turned me on to the show and then I turned you on to an article about this show being grounded in some potential reality. There are different thoughts about it. You know, fun guy. We all know fun guy. Fun guy is that guy. He likes to party. He likes to stay up late, maybe do a little cocaine. He's a crazy guy. Why do we hate him so much? Why is he the reason for all our problems? No, there's two types of fun guys. There's the fun guy, and then there's mushrooms, right? Pizza al fungi, and that's what I think about when I think about fun guy. But of course, I don't think I'll think of either of those things ever again after this show. 
we were introduced right right as the show starts. So you will see this as the show starts. We're introduced to a conversation about humanity at risk, being at risk from a pandemic. And, and one person suggests a flu-like virus, something like what we have just seen. And the other person in this conversation says that the actual real threat is not bacteria, but it is fungus. So I was immediately like, wait a minute. The first guy was right. Is the second guy also right? And as you watch the show, you start to wonder from a non-scientific background, you definitely wonder, is there any value to this? So why don't we start off with this, Asif? What are fungi? Right. So you know fungi mainly from your culinary adventures over the years, right? Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeast is used to make bread rise. Beer and wine, right? We use fungi for that. Cheese. And interestingly, they are the very end result of biological life because they are active in disposing of decaying organic material, whether it's vegetable or animal. And of course, human corpses. And so they're the cleansing machines of the world. And they're estimated to be potentially 1.5 million different fungal species in existence on our planet. They are interesting organisms because they're eukaryotes. So eukaryotes means they have a membrane surrounding their cell and their nucleus, which is the center of the cell. And their cells are larger than bacteria. So in fact, they resemble more the cells of plants and animals. So you're like, yeah, they are plants, but they're not plants because they don't synthesize chlorophyll, which is what is necessary to be defined as a plant. That's interesting that there is a difference to be made deliberately between fungus and bacteria. They are not, in fact, the same thing. That's right. Because when I think of cheese and bread and all that, I always think of that as the, the introduction of bacteria into right those cultures, those bacteria or bacterium, but in fact, it's probably a misnomer most times when we're talking about it or thinking about bacteria. In in, in many cases, particularly in the food world, it is actually fungus. Yeah, exactly. And fungi are everywhere. They're all around us in our environment, on our skin at all times. And so we can, I guess we can get into it now about how they end up causing disease and then we can get into your apocalyptic worries after that. Mm -hmm. So there are, the most common infections that you would get are skin, fungal infections. People who are susceptible to fungal infections, anybody can get them, but they're more likely to occur in someone who's obese, immunodeficient or immunosuppressed, or those that have impaired circulation. So the same is sort of, were they comorbidities? Is that kind of, these the same sort of conditions that existed for you to potentially be more susceptible to COVID and bacterial infections exist for fungal as well. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. And then of course, there are the more common reasons that you might get it. So exposure to, prolonged exposure to humidity in your clothes or in your bedding poor hygiene, residing in warm, humid climates. So that humidity can kind of give rise to a proliferation of these uh, fungal infections. So there's different types. We're going to talk about them. I'll see if you can kind of guess what they are. So one of them is tinea. We say tinea for these fungal infections. Tinea pedis, P-E-D-I-S. That's what kind of fungal infection. Well, look, you know, I don't know a goddamn thing, but I do know what tinnitus is, and tinnitus exists in the ear. So is this a fungus in the ear? Yeah, that's a good guess, though, that you can get fungal infections in the ear. But tinea is, is the word we're going to be using for all these different kind of fungal infections. And the second word will be indicating where it is. So pedis is the foot, so like a pedal, right? Ah, I knew that too, yeah. And so we call that athlete's foot. 
right? We've, ah. I'm sure most people have had it. Do you know why? Because it affects 26.5 million Americans a year. And it's estimated that 70% of people will have tinea pedis or athlete's foot at some time in their life. So I remember my buddy's dad going, athlete's foot is something that never goes away. You can't kill it. Once you get it, you've got it for life. And after that, I wore uh, slippers in the pool, around the pool, and in the locker room for the rest of my life. I don't know why. It was really affected. Yeah, that's not necessarily true. I had it years ago because I was, again, I was backpacking through Europe a long, long time ago. And then I remember because I got it after staying in this hostel and, you know, it was like a shower. I'm like, this shower is pretty gross. And then, of course, you get it afterwards. It was exactly as gross as you thought it was. Yeah, exactly so. But I haven't had it since then. That was like. Okay. Well, I mean, that guy wasn't a doctor. He was a Bell Canada employee. But still, his words affected me to the point that I always took care of my. Then there's tinea corporis. Corporeal, your body. So fungus of your body. Anywhere in your body. And that's what a ringworm is because it looks like this ring on your body. So you've heard of ringworm maybe before, but it's not a worm. It's a fungus, but you know we, we call it ringworm. Interesting. Then there's tinea cruris. Cruris, crur, from croire in French, to believe. This is the belief in fungus. This is a belief that fungus exists. Well, you won't believe how uncomfortable it is because it's <laughs> jock itch oh, <laughs> occurring in your that's medial <laughs> and upper thigh and growing area. <laughs> More common in males and females. Again, you know, maybe you're wearing like a cup for your sports that you're doing or something like that. So jock itch is tinea cruris. Tinea capitis. Capitus, Capititus, Capititus, you and I know. Very famous ABBA song. Well, Cap, I assume, the, the, the head? Yeah, scalp, very good. Skull, the scalp, okay, yeah. Yeah, so that's a ringworm of the scalp. And then there's Tinea unguium, unguium. <laughs> also called oncomycosis, oncomycosis. Fingernails? Yes. Excellent. Right? Angular? Yes, yeah, sure. So that can be caused by different kinds of fungi. Annually, 2.5 million people in the U.S. are treated for it. You know what helped me with that one? In, in Urdu and in Hindi, the word for nails is ungli. Oh, there we go. There you go. Huh? It's all this language. That's Yes. And then you may have seen people with this. You get thick, yellow, brittle nails. And of course, those are those different kinds of, of skin infections, but there's also candida infections. So candida, yeast infections, again, we, we hear about that pretty commonly, occurs more often in women, uh, can occur in people who, again, diabetic, on immunosuppressive medicine, obese people. And so these are common. And it's, you know, by the way, it's interesting because some people name their children candida and I'm just like, I don't. I think you could do just not like a medical search. Also, people name their kids Melina. Do you know what Melina is? I don't. I met a Candida and I was pretty confused. What is a Melina? Bloody stool. So, ah, good. I think maybe just avoid those two if you can, especially if you go to go into medicine. If you're not, maybe it's or nursing. But anyway, so the treatment for these, they respond well to topical therapy. Again, the athlete's foot, you know, you can get a spray, a cream, and usually takes things away pretty well. Same with the ringworm. It's it's relatively easy to treat. The tinea capitis, the one on your head, you need to take an oral, like a medicine by mouth, because the topical agents don't penetrate into the hair shaft. What? And Yeah. So, and the, and the most difficult one to treat is probably the tinea unguium. That one, you need to take a medicine by mouth as well. So these seem like they're treatable. They seem pretty common, but they're... 
I'm assuming are more serious fungal infections as well? Yeah, there are ones. So you can think of these invasive fungal infections where they get into your bloodstream or perhaps even your brain. They have a very high mortality rate. Some people say up to 27% mortality rate when you get these. What the heck? How many people get them? How common is that? Yeah. One study from France found the total incidence of invasive fungal infections to be about six per 100,000 people. And of those six... One and a half to two people die, 27%. I don't know the math, but oh God. Okay. Now, these invasive infections are almost always, not all the time, but almost always in immunosuppressed or immunocompromised people. So the patients we see the most are patients on chemotherapy agents for cancer. That's the patients who we see fungal infections on. And But now yeast and molds are amongst the 10 most frequently isolated pathogens in febrile patients, patients with fever, and any impairment to their immune system. Okay, so let me just clear something up here. When you just mentioned candida, candida, from what I know, is you need a balance, a certain balance of bacteria in your stomach, right? Yeah, candida is not a bacteria. What is it? The yeast? It's a fungus. The yeast. Yeah, yeast and fungus. Yeah, it's a fungus. I, I did it again. I did it again. I missed it. I mistook my. But you, it's a, it's a balance, right? You need a certain amount. There's good. There's bad. And when one is higher, one is lower. It becomes. Yeah. Let Let's say this. It's more like there has to be a balance. That's That's a better way of saying. It. Do you actually need it or not? I mean, not necessarily. But so then, why does chemotherapy? Is there also some sort of balance that is taken out of whack when you're doing chemo? Exactly, because you need a couple things. To prevent these infections, you need an intact mucosa, like the mucosa is the lining of your stomach, intestines, or whatever. You need that to be intact. There's always this constant push against these infections from your immune system to say, okay, just hang on, just stay, know your role, stay in your lane, right? That's what your immune system is saying all the time. And if your immune system is weakened or damaged, it's going to allow these things to, to cross into your body and in areas they shouldn't be. And like I said, the worst is, is, the, is the blood. Mm. And they're very, very difficult to treat, very difficult to eradicate from somebody. So the medications have a lot of side effects. One quote, which is actually from the article that you talked about, this is from, from this doctor, this Dr. Speck, and we'll, we'll link to this uh, person. He's a researcher into fungal infections at the Washington University School of Medicine in St. Louis, Missouri. The problem with most antifungal medications is that they're also pretty good anti-humans. So you need a balance of finding a drug that kills a fungus but doesn't kill a patient. Wow. On that note, and you've painted a yes, beautiful picture of fungus, I think, that everyone can really appreciate. But getting to this particular CBC article that I came across and sent to you, the discussion here was about, you know, what are the odds that something that is seen in this film, The Last of Us, which is something that exists where a fungus can take over the body, the brain, and turn you sort of against yourself, but it is only happening in ants mm -hmm. at this time. So there's, you know, this is what I said, there's like differing, differing views. I watched this David Attenborough, <laughs> this is like... This was like a real like uh, eye-opener and pretty disturbing. I'll probably have nightmares about this, but this David Attenborough clip about watching the ants and other sort of bugs or insects have the fungus take over their brain, make them do things they don't want to do, and then kill them, and then the fungus continues to live and spread outside of their body. And pretty phenomenal and frightening thing to watch. David Attenborough suggested 
there's a positive about this fungus, which is that it, it makes for no particular insect community to get the upper hand, I believe he said, something like this. In another article, which was on Vox.com, the good news about the quote-unquote zombie fungus, which was in The Last of Us, the good news is you're safe if you're not an ant. So this is what I'm trying to get. I mean, are we safe? What's going to happen? Yeah, I, I think overall we'll we'll safe, but let's go through some of the things you talked about. So first of all, we'll link to this video that you're talking about. So, and as you said, it's basically this fungus infects this ant and makes the ant go up to the highest part of the tree canopy, and then it kills it. And you can see the fungus coming out of its head, and then it releases its spores everywhere. And then if another ant gets infected, it does the same thing. So it's keeping this ant population in control. So the question is, can that mutate to humans? And one of the things it says in the TV show, The Last of Us, is yeah, maybe because fungi don't cause disease very often, except in those immunocompromised people, because they don't tolerate our body temperature of 37 degrees. But if the climate warms up, then they be, may become more heat tolerant, and then perhaps they could infect us. Maybe that's a possibility. There's no records ever of a fungal pandemic impacting humans. Yet. There's also no record of the Earth getting to higher temperatures. So Yet, though we've all been living this winter where it's been pretty, pretty warm. There have been fungal epidemics, though, in animals, including frogs. And there's also been a U.S. bat species that has been driven to almost extinction by something called white nose syndrome, which is a fungal disease. I think people may have heard about that before. And so is it possible it can happen to us? Maybe. And, you know, the, the, the fear mongers would say... At the beginning, years and years ago, we learned about retroviruses. And oh, who cares about retroviruses? They're not that scary. They don't affect humans. And then HIV came, and that was a pandemic. Then in medical school, we were like, a oh, coronavirus causes a cold, maybe. You know, we're not that worried about it. And then you have SARS, and then, of course, the most recent pandemic with COVID-19. So things do change over time. So I guess that's the worry from that point of view. There's another element here that I haven't heard you talk about as a self-respecting man of an Indian background. I thought you might, but during the second wave of COVID, I mean, this is, I don't even know what wave we're at, but there was, there were many waves. And I remember early on second wave, and to be honest at the time, I think I ignored this headline as quickly as it came across my eyes because I was I, my, my body, my brain doesn't have the bandwidth for this, but there was India in particular, a black fungus that was spreading among certain communities at the same time that COVID was raging. So I just couldn't you know, handle that. But I did go back and, and look that up. And this is called a mucormycosis. Yeah. So this black fungus. Yeah. And it did come out in India. There was kind of this infection going around, but it turns out a lot of those people ended up having weakened immune systems and then just happened to be getting it this infection at the same time. I'm not sure exactly why and if COVID had anything to do with weakening their immune systems that I'm not sure about, but most of them had diabetes. So I think that was probably the reason for that infection. So you're safe from that point of view. So far, that's another yet. I don't have diabetes yet. Too many yets. Too many yets. So, but if we go back to the specific postulates of the show, The Last of Us, because what they're saying is this cordyceps infection. The cordyceps is the fungi that 
infects the ants and that will link to, and you can watch the video about that. And so in fact, when the Neil Druckmann, when he was co-creating the video game, he said, he saw that video. He's like, okay, what if that happened to humans create zombies? Okay. That's a plausible mechanism for why you could have these zombie like infected creatures taking over humans. So again, there are many, many species of cordyceps that infect ants and other invertebrates. And the issue, though, the bottom line is that these fungi have evolved very specifically to infect one very specific group of ants. And there would be another, and, and that's evolved over millions of millions of years. So they're not generalists. They don't infect everybody and every species. It's evolved to just infect one. So each species, fungal species, only knows how to deal with one specific insect. So they don't jump even from ant species to ant species. That's not the way it works. So let alone from ant species to another insect. So now you're talking about not even species, like not even like invertebrates, which, which would ants and other insects, right? We're talking about jumping from invertebrates to humans. That's like such a big leap that it seems extremely unlikely. One very interesting thing in this Attenborough video, what do the ants do with the infected ant? Yeah. Did you see that? I saw that. I saw that. They pick them up and like throw them outside of the colony as far as they can. Throw them outside. The yeah. They throw them off a leaf. They're like, beat it. You, we have no place for you. I mean, it just, it speaks to the incredible intelligence of ants, which I've always been fascinated by. I struggle to watch them for extended periods of time. I find it kind of creepy, but God, the way they operate for the benefit of the community and society. It's fantastic. It's unbelievable. But anyway, yeah. And of course, those were in this video are bullet ants. Bullet ants have one of the most painful bites in all of the insect world. I saw bullet ants when I went to Costa Rica a couple of years ago. Again, they're harmless as long as you don't bother them. And But if you bother them, it is intensely painful, apparently. You're getting bothered back. So, Ali, really, I think these worries about fungal infections are a bit un unfounded in terms of it taking over people and causing a bunch of infected zombies to wander around the world. Do we have to be a bit worried about it for immune-suppressed people? I think we do. And, of course, with things like obesity on the rise and more and more immune-modulating treatments for diseases, again, many diseases we've talked about before on the show, which are effective treatments, but you have to be a bit careful about that. And hopefully there'll be more effective medicines for these invasive fungal infections as time goes on. Well, you've really ruined a lot of stuff for a lot of people here. <laughs> yeah, Ali's going to go back to his wine, cheese, and bread. Yeah. No, I was just going to say that a fungus used to be just a guy named Gus who liked to party, you know, and now you've You've ruined it all. Sorry, Gustavo, but at the very least, it's very interesting that it reminds you how far-reaching global warming is as well. It's not just rising tides. It's not just animals. It's not just weather patterns, right? This is something that can affect us as many of us go, I don't care. I hate the cold. This is great. Just remember what we're potentially dealing with. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it, these are some scary things. Ali's going to get his revenge now by eating a portobello mushroom burger. I think I, I think I might do that. At the very least, there should be some cheese in my system within the next hour. We've talked about it enough that I'll need it inside me. That is our episode. If you have any concerns, comments, questions, feedback, love to share, we'd love to hear from you. DrVcomedian at gmail.com. DrVcomedian, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are everywhere. 
Let us know what you guys thought about the episode and leave us a five-star review if you can on iTunes. Follow us and make sure to tell people you know about our podcast. But remember that although I'm a doctor, I'm not your doctor. Medical issues we talk about are for your interest and information only, and they're not medical advice. Please consult your medical professionals for actual medical advice. Thanks for listening. Bye. Thank you.